This is Boss Tone Radio, talk for guitar players, presented by BossUS.com. Hi, Paul Hansen here. This is segment one of the 21st edition. Today on the line from New York, we have Oz Noy. And Oz is a New York guitarist, originally from Israel. Oz is a pretty in-demand guitar player. He's played with Tony Braxton, Phoebe Snow, Nile Rodgers, Roger Glover, Cindy Lauper, Clay Aiken, and the list goes on. But he's also a solo artist, and on his records is basically a who's who of musicians, including Will Lee, Mike Stern, Steve Lukather, Dave Weckl, Vinnie Kaliuta. Anyway, let's listen to a little bit of Oz's new solo album, Schizophrenic. And this is uh, a couple excerpts from the title cut. So Oz, how's it going? You're you're in New York. Yes. I heard you did a gig last night. Yes, I played last night. When I'm in New York, I usually play on Mondays with my regular trio, mm-hmm. like the trio that I I'm, I do all the records with stuff like that. But once in a while, I play the 55 bar in New York, and I do the jazz trio, which um, I basically take those sort of standards and I kind of switch them around. So. Do you do a couple sets? Yeah, we do two sets at the 55. It's like kind of a famous place in New York called like that. The 55 bar, is that in uh, Greenwich Village? Yeah, Greenwich Village, yeah. It's a famous place. It started in the early 80s, Mike Stern and Jaco Pistorius. Uh-huh. Mike Stern basically started playing there. He just went into the bar and he wanted a place to play. <laughs> he just started playing there, and now it's like an institution, you know, like they have music every night, and it's like... He actually two bands a night. It's pretty great, you know. Stern still plays there till this day. When he's around, he plays Mondays and Wednesdays, you know. You grew up in Israel? Yes. What What is that like over there? It's an intense place in many ways, but quality of life there is really, really high. And in general, it's kind of a pretty relaxed place. Did you have to go into the army? Well, I, I didn't go to the army, but you usually <laughs> have to. So let's go back. Um, what age did you start playing guitar? Ten. Were you influenced by a guitar player to uh, to start playing? Not really. Actually, I wanted to play drums, and I was already planning on starting to take drum lessons. And then I don't know what happened, but I remember a friend of mine just was learning guitar, and he told me, "Hey, come and take a lesson with see a lesson with my teacher." Uh-huh. I just went. I don't know why I went. I had no. You know, I wasn't attracted to guitar or anything. I just went and <laughs> and I just started learning. I don't know why it was guitar. I was kind of planning on being a drummer. <laughs> well, your time is really good. I bet you you would have been a great drummer too. But was guitar easy for you? I, you know, I'm one of those guys that 
I think nothing comes easy. I, I have uh-huh. to work on everything I do. To my opinion, at least, I'm not one of those guys that would just pick up an instrument and start playing and it won't come easy. But mm-hmm. the first year, I don't know if it came easy as much as I was kind of fast learner. Uh-huh. And I got into jazz really early on. So probably by the age of 11, my brother already started listening to jazz records. So I, I already kind of had a sense of what it is. Is jazz... Do you feel like it's more popular in Israel? I think in general there's more appreciation for music outside of the States, anywhere. I think, and it's always been like that through history, you know? So yeah. people really love jazz in Israel, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I lived in Europe for a while. and uh, It's the same thing. But, but U.S., it's pretty much kind of compartmentalized. Yeah. Your English is really good. Did you learn English in school? Yes, yes, yes. When I came here, I was already, you know, I didn't speak as well as now, but I spoke pretty well. Over the years in Israel, you'd become a real successful studio musician. You know, I started working there when I was really, really young. So when I was 34, I moved to New York. So from the age of, let's say, 13 to the age of 24, I started to work as a musician there. And I played with a lot of people there, like with the most of kind of the big artists there. And then the last couple of years when I lived there, I played in this TV show that was I was the house band for, you know, it was kind of like the David Letterman kind of show. It wasn't yeah. every, it happening every day. It was just on weekends, but it was really popular doing that for two years. And I was doing a lot of TV with just different artists. So. The, um, is that show hosted by a comedian like David Letterman? Yeah, and they said really horrible story because that guy lost his mind a couple of months ago and he oh it's a horrible story but the oh. bottom line of his story is he just committed suicide a few months ago oh my gosh he was actually in the news here too because he was so sick his career started to go downhill and you know he's a good guy but uh-huh. his career went down and he couldn't handle it so he hired like people to um attack industry people that didn't give him the gig but oh it was horrible, and wow. then they found out that it was him. It was a big deal, and they put him in jail, and then he killed him. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable story. He was, like, the biggest entertainer in Israel. What, what's his name? Dudu Tapaz. Dudu Tapaz. Hmm. Pretty tragic. Unbelievable. So you did a couple years on that show, and then, let's I see. Moved here. I, I did, like, two years on that show, and I was doing other artists, too, and I always played pop and rock, but in the, uh, but I always played jazz in the same time, so I was always doing both. And then I moved to New York when I was 24. In New York, I got this list of uh, artists you've played with since you moved here. Richard Bona, uh, Harry Belafonte, Tony Braxton, Phoebe Snow, Nile Rogers, Roger Glover, Cindy Lauper, Clay Aiken. It, any of those sessions or gigs stand out that you could tell us about? Not re- I, I don't know. To me, all that stuff was kind of like, it's not that it, not, it wasn't good. It, was, it just was kind of work, you know, fire kind of. You show up and they need you to play. Uh, yeah, you know, either it's a record or something like that. And I just play. And Like I, when I did the Clay Aiken record, he wasn't even in the studio, you know. Uh-huh. I, li- I really like working with Roger Glover. He's a great, great guy, great musician. Bass player for um, Deep Purple. Purple, yeah, it's a bass. Yeah, and, and I played for many years with Gavin DeGraw. Gavin DeGraw. 
And, of course, you have your own solo albums. The last one just came out uh, in September. Schizophrenic. And then Fuzzy and Haw, and then you had a live... A live one, yeah. So, Schizophrenic. Yeah. I saw some pictures on your MySpace of you guys in the studio, and Will Lee is playing bass. Well, he's been playing with me for years, some older records. He's, he's like a part of the band, you know? So wow. We've been playing since, I don't know, 2001 maybe he plays on he's on all the records whenever. you know i talked to him a few times because he uh he uses a gt10b which is the boss multi effects and modeler for bass yeah he uses that thing the boss thing yeah you're yeah right. i see it up on stage at on letterman have you ever gone on that show and jammed with him hey, no i never was invited i know <laughs> them all pretty well uh -huh. i just i don't know i guess i'm not famous enough <laughs> Well, here's some more excerpts from Oz's new solo album, Schizophrenic. These excerpts are from the song called Ice Pick. I saw somewhere people can hire you to play using this internet service called eSession.com. eSessions, yeah. How does that work? It can work through that service or just by contacting me directly. The thing with the eSession is it's a service where you go online, there's a lot of session players on there. You choose who you want to work with. You send him a work request, and then you send a song, and you go like, all right, this is the song I need you to play, I don't know, guitars, blah, 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 blah. How much do you charge, blah, blah, blah. So uh -huh. you do the negotiation through the service, and then once everybody's happy, like you want to do, the guy wants you to do the track, so he uploads the session, like the music that he wants you to play on onto that server. You download it, you put your track. Hey, I have a home studio, so I do the guitars in the house. I put it back on that server. He listens to it, and then, you know, and that's it. I've done things where guys will send me an MP3, you know, with a click on one side and uh, the basic tracks mono on the other side, and I load that into my software, and then... Yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah. There's really good sides to it, and there's really bad sides to it. You know, it definitely helps generate more work, but... I don't know, you know, the thing about just being in this room, in the studio with other guys. Absolutely. To do this kind of stuff is good for certain kids, especially in your house, you can really tweak the sounds the way you want and everything, you know, and it's, but I still prefer being in a... Being in a room with other guys. Yeah, or at least with yeah. the producer or with the artist. The other yeah. thing is, 
it actually takes longer to do it in the house because kind of you have to guess what they want. Like they can uh-huh. tell you, we want this and we want that, but in reality, there's <laughs> million ways you can do certain parts. So I know, yeah. you always have to give the artist or the producer like you know more than he needs just to kind of cover yourself. So it actually takes longer because you have to make all yeah. the decisions yourself. It's even hard sometimes deciphering a producer when you're in the room with them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yourself, it's uh, it's I guess that's a part of how it works today. We're in the new digital world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've had a lot of you know big stars on your records like Will Lee and Mike Stern and Steve Lukather, Dave Weckl, Vinnie Caliuta. So. Is there kind of a New York jazz kind of scene where you guys get together and, and jam? Uh, we play every week for years at a place called The Bitter End. Oh, The Bitter End. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a legendary place. It's in the village. It's kind of in the middle between the east and the west. Uh-huh. And uh, we play there every Monday for years. So that's basically how my band was developed through that gig. It's basically like a live rehearsal place for us, you know. I write some new music, we do a very short rehearsal, kind of run in the tune, and then once we play it live, it kind of comes together. That's how I've been doing it since 2000. Do you write out charts for yeah. your tunes? Yeah, I do a simple demo just to give them an idea. I write a uh-huh. chart and the rest just happens. Wow. So we've been doing that solid every Monday since 2000 and it's been the same guys basically in New York like Will Lee plays bass or James Genus and then mm-hmm. Anton Fig or Keith Harlock playing drums sometimes both together I think you told me you're going to Nashville yeah I'm playing in Nashville next week yeah, I'm playing in New York actually on Monday and then Tuesday I'm going to Nashville is that for a session or something I go there every couple of months to play at a school club called Third and Lindsay so this, this one is going to be like a city release party for my record, because I, I haven't had a chance since the record came out to go out there and play it. For schizophrenic? Schizophrenic. Yeah. Let's talk about gear for a second. You're a Strat guy, right? Yes. Did you always play a Strat, or in the past have you used Gibsons and other guitars? When I started playing, you know, I had all sort of weird guitars, but... um. I think I grew up in the 80s, so when I grew up, I was, uh, in one hand I was playing jazz, the other hand I was totally into the shredding thing. Uh-huh, yeah. So, the first couple of professional guitars I had were, like, guitars with humbuckers, like Charvels and stuff like that from the 80s, but, um, uh-huh. in the late 80s, I started to get into, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Hendrix and all that stuff, and I was like the Strat sound, it just took me... Uh-huh. Many years to kind of get it. So I think uh, maybe in 90 I started to play Strat. I always had a Strat and I had I always had a hollow body guitar, like a Gibson hollow body guitar. Yeah, so you could do the chord melody kind of stuff? Yeah, the jazz stuff, but I never liked it. So I always forced myself to play it to sound like the records, you know what I mean? Like those records, uh-huh. that sound. And I was struggling with it because I always liked the sound of the Strat, the electric guitar, you know, the Strat better <laughs> and when i moved to new york i moved with my scratch and with my gibson hollow body and mm-hmm. i started to play in the scene and it's kind of funny what happened is i started to play with this guy gavin DeGraw, that the yep. pop guy yep. and we were doing mm-hmm. like a weekly thing where i was playing acoustic guitar and he plays piano and i uh 
I didn't have an acoustic guitar, so I decided to sell my jazz guitar and buy an acoustic guitar, and that's the best thing I ever did in my life. Wow. My, because what happened is once I sold my jazz guitar, I had to play everything I play on my scratch, whether it's jazz or blues or rock or whatever. It's all that was that kind of became my voice. So that was the best thing I've done since I moved here. Wow. This one's from Oz's song, a Pistro funk from his fuzzy album. Um, we're going to talk more to Oz and we're going to talk about gear coming up in the second segment. So stay tuned to this 21st edition of Boston Radio. Radio. 